Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic Podcast. I'm once again your host, Hunter Salazar. So today's episode is actually about how different peoples and countries have adopted different animals as their symbol, what symbol it is, and why they chose these various animals. So we get a lot of birds for people and for uh, uh, for countries, for nations. Um, so I'll start out small. The hummingbird for the Vikings was a symbol of hope. And, I, you know, just based on that, I kind of want to get a tattoo of it. But uh, it was a symbol of hope. And the reason why it was a symbol of hope, um, you know, as far as historical reason, maybe not the spiritual reason, but the historical reason, uh, reason is that um, if a hummingbird was seen, you know, close to you or in the, the area that – or hummingbirds seen in the area that you inhabit – then um, warmer weather is coming. It's not going to be cold. You're not going to freeze to death. And hummingbirds only travel where it's warm. So if you see one, it's, it's, very, um, it's very uplifting. Um, that's true for us in Texas as well, but not necessarily to the, to the same extent. Um, hummingbirds are also very... Um, they're kind of mystical in a way because they seem, to, they seem to hover more than other birds because they're flapping their wings so hard... Uh, that it almost looks like they're levitating. And they have these really weird beaks that just kind of, they're really long and they extend and they don't seem to really open, but of course they do. But uh, they're kind of like this, um, they're kind of like a little pixie that kind of flutters around and uh, is a little, they're actually very curious as well. They, they kind of want to figure out stuff. So um, so in, in this house, in my house, we have this um, reflective, uh, I guess you could say, uh, I wouldn't. I don't want to say substance, but like it, it's kind of like a, refre- a reflective um, tint to some windows in certain parts of the house, and there's hummingbird feed- feeders in three different places around the house. Outside, of course, and hummingbirds, they go to this reflective material and just kind of like they they buzz around and are very curious about like why do I see another hummingbird there, and then sometimes the opposite is true. Um, they'll see humans through the window, assuming it's not reflective, and they'll be like, oh, I'm curious about this. What is that? Uh, so curiosity is actually a form of hope. Um, people who are unhopeful will not be very curious about things. Curiousness is what saved me actually from suicide in my teen years. I wanted to learn and know more. I wanted to expand my understanding so that my consciousness could... Um, be used the fullest before I was going to destroy it, which ultimately I of course didn't, and I no longer want to die. Of course, this is, has been the case for many years, but curiousness is is a form of hope, and I hope that a lot of you out there know what I'm talking about. I don't I don't really know if a lot of you feel the same way, but I hope that some of you at least kind of understand. That uh, when you're curious about other things, you're not going to be on the edge of doing something very terrible. So, uh, at least in most cases. So, moving on, um, we always hear about the bald eagle. Um, so, the United States of America, of course, the bald eagle eagle is a uh, is our national bird. Um, it was also the the bald eagle was also the national bird of the uh, Third Reich, and actually a number of other countries. 
So why is the bald eagle such a powerful symbol? First of all, um, Benjamin Franklin actually wanted the turkey to be our national symbol, which makes no sense to me because they're really stupid. And sometimes they look up and they just drown themselves in rain if they're not covered over because they're looking up at the rain like, oh, this, this rain is great. And then they just end up drowning and the turkey, I mean, I, I suppose it's tasty. I mean, I've, I still remember what turkey tastes like. I mean, it's tasty, but, like, they're very stupid birds. I don't really know why he wanted the turkey to be the national. Anyway, um, besides that, uh, the bald eagle, why is this such a powerful symbol? First of all, it looks dignified. you got a very strong beak. Um, it's thick. It's protrude, uh, protruding. And um, it's got very, it's got very um, etched, uh, etched, um, I guess you can say features. Uh, the coloration is good. The uh, There's a stark contrast between the body and the head, which is white. And then the body is kind of like brownish. Um, the beak is very easy to see as well. It's got a little bit like a yellow tint to it. Um, but I think that... So I'm not sure if this was actually playing into deciding what the that the bald eagle would be our national animal or <laughs> our national bird. Um... But, so, the thing about the bald eagle is that once it reaches around 40 or 50 years old, I think these numbers are correct, they might be 30, but I, I, it's around 40, <laughs> um, their beak slowly uh, grows to where it locks on the bottom of the lower beak. Their top beak locks on the bottom of the lower beak, so they can't open their mouths. So, here's the thing about eagles. They actually make a choice. So they make a choice either to it's very interesting because in, in nature you don't really you don't really encounter animals that have a definitive clear choice rather than just instinct. So the eagle has a choice to either sit in a tree and knock on its beak until it finally falls off and another one starts growing which can take weeks, mind you, weeks. I don't even know how they survive that long, but apparently, if you look it up, it's like weeks. Like They'll do that. Um, I don't know if they're like taking in rain or moisture. I don't know if they're just like getting seed from the sides of their mouths, but apparently, it can take weeks to knock off the beak. That is the problem. And then it takes a long time to grow a beak back, which must be awful. I mean, just imagine a bald eagle without its beak. That sounds awful. Um, or the bald eagle could starve to death. <laughs> so... Um, there's a choice. Either um, put yourself in a lot of pain, but transform, or to not, or to just uh, not put yourself in that pain and slowly die. So, you know, th this is a powerful symbol for countries because, I, you know, once again, I say that I don't know if that this was the thing that was in mind when the eagle was chosen because the eagle is just so iconic. It might have just looked like a cool bird. But for me, the eagle, it, it represents, oh God, I hate using this example, the phoenix, yes. Uh, I hate using it because everybody else uses it. Um, so many times do people quote the, the phoenix uh, uh, comparison. It's just like, oh, I wish I could come up with something else. But uh, it, that is the case. Like, um, it's going to hurt the eagle and it's going to be in a lot of pain and it'll have to grow a beak back. But it'll survive because it transformed. Um, and the eagles who are not ready to transform will die. So I think that that speaks a lot to people in many nations and many countries among many people who, you know, should transform 
as the days go by, as far as like, okay, you're adapting to new circumstances. You shouldn't just be stuck in the past. You got to keep on going and going and going and kind of adapting to the circumstances that you find yourself in instead of being a, being a hardliner on certain things. I mean, when it comes to spirituality and religion, I'm not really talking about that. But uh, some traditions, some ways of living um, will become more and more inferior. And in order to survive and exploit your life as a human to the greatest extent, you might have to change. People need to change. As you get older, that becomes very hard. But the older people who do change, um, they find themselves in a much, much better circumstance than people that are holding on to the past with clenched fists, um, for sure. Uh, I will say that, uh, so we're going to go and move on here. Um, so <laughs> I think I've been focusing on bo birds for right now. So I'm going to kind of go to another bird. So um, uh, the blue jay is the state bird in Texas, which I live in Texas. And I always wondered, like, why it was the blue jay picked. So let's look about, let's look at a few of the qualities of a blue jay. It is very dominating. It Sometimes it doesn't want to share the. Sometimes they don't want to share the feeders with other birds. Um, very, it's a very attractive bird to look at. Very, very interesting and um, uh, stark blue colors to them. Uh, they are they are big and loud a lot of the time, <laughs> and uh, a lot of a lot of these things actually apply to Texans. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe, but but honestly, not all of them because. Texans are actually more friendly than like any any other state in the South, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the Southern hospitality thing, it's not it doesn't necessarily progress into Texas as a lot of people think it does. We just kind of got our own way of hospitality. It's not Southern hospitality, but it's like Texas hospitality, which I think I really do think that Texans are one of the most friendly states to uh encounter people and but at any rate uh the blue jay yeah uh, it's sometimes it kind of goes on a whim like uh like oh this bird seems cool let's just do that because we need a we need a state bird and of course texas is the only state that was its own country for about four years all other states weren't a country for four years or for any years uh so you know there's a lot of like grabbing and like trying to identify with certain things and just really trying to get one with America and trying to get into the union. Anyway, besides that, I kind of went off on a tangent for some reason. So, um, there's two birds in India that are often used for various, well, were used for various kingdoms and are still used for various, pro well, I'll just say groups are used for different uh, provinces. I know that word is okay. Provinces. And they're still powerful symbols in India, regardless of if they're used as a flag or something like that. They're still powerful symbols that were used by many kingdoms uh, in the past in India and still used today. So before we get into that, let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor. And we are back, everyone. So the bird, two birds of India kind of captures a lot of, um, they capture a lot of history. So a lot of kingdoms preferred the peacock or the swan. So when we dive into these, a swan is very aggressive. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It looks, it looks amazing, but it's also very aggressive. This is a great symbol for kingdoms, you know, in ancient times. 
now as well to certain extents, but especially in ancient times because um, you want your kingdom to, like, of course, be beautiful, but also very dangerous to any anybody or any um, any group of people that would try to harm your kingdom. Um, usually, swans. Uh, usually, swans don't. There, there's not like a multitude of swans in any one place compared to other birds, anyway. And um, they're more they're more singular than other birds as far as like mating pairs, I believe. But uh, but yeah, the the swan is a, a very important symbol for a lot of um, ancient Indian kingdoms, and then it's still a powerful symbol nowadays. The peacock is also a bird that is associated with many Indian kingdoms and many um, and it and in India today. Uh, the peacock is it seems majestic. It has all this color. It has all these feathers with all these eye looking things. So it can be like, okay, I'm kind of looking at, <laughs> there's all these eyes of my nation that is looking this way or that way. And we're majestic because we extend in these beautiful patterns and we deserve to be recognized. That's kind of what the peacock represents, I think, especially in old Indian uh, kingdoms. So, um, it's interesting. So, um, cardinals, for instance, they were just na- I think that they were just named that <laughs> because uh, cardinals were all red, as far as like um, related to the Catholic Church. Um, we we tend to identify certain ideas with birds based on we we kind of paste ideas onto different animals based on our perception of them. Like none none of these an- animals necessarily personify what we're pasting onto them. But we like to basically paste descriptions on various animals because we try to understand everything as human beings. We try to make symbols in our life, like being attached to this or that symbol. Sometimes it's a cross. Sometimes it's the Ohm symbol. Sometimes it's the uh, Celtic cross. Sometimes it's a mala. Sometimes it's a sword. Sometimes it's a pyramid. Sometimes it's a circle. Sometimes it's a dragon. Um, all these various symbols we use to understand our relationship to everything else in this universe and also the multiverse and the astral realms. So certain symbols may have the same significance in astral realms. It's just a little different. Um, the, the, the manifestation of these symbols is more energetic and that you can see these symbols rather than just trying to understand them. Understanding and seeing are different things in the astral realms. Well, if it's on the, the good side, um, the good side of the astral realms, the uh, more positive uh, places in the astral realm, then these, ma- these symbols will manifest and just glow or ju- just live and just be. But uh, here we, uh, we have just an echo of what's going on in the astral realm. So we try to figure out what is going on beyond in the astral realm, and that's something that a lot of people don't realize. We're trying to figure out what is going on within ourselves and within a deeper, a deeper manifestation of energy and everything that is in a different dimension. We're trying to figure it out, and so we, plus, we kind of paste labels onto various things so that we can contemplate them, so that we can, we can codify them, so that we can define them, and we can understand them. And the problem with a lot of human understanding is that we want to define things. And that's something we're going to have to realize is not the best way of inquiry. 
At any rate, this is just a short little podcast. I hope you liked it. If you have any requests for other podcasts, feel free to message me at www.facebook.com slash hunter.salazar. And I do take requests and I do take uh, conversations if anybody wants to ask me anything. At any rate, thank you very much for listening and I hope to see all of you. Well, not see, but (laughs) uh, hear from all of you in the future.